the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. It is indeed hour number two, now underway at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 29th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we are going to speak with Peter Corrigan. Why do you know Peter Corrigan? You should know Peter Corrigan because he could be and should be the next Cuyahoga County executive. He is running against Armin Butish for that very important post. Our county leadership is in serious, serious jeopardy right now. Uh, unfortunately, there is still a strong majority of Democrats on that county council, which in and of itself is not bad as long as they're doing good work for the people. But sadly, county government right now is filled with a lot of waste, a lot of excess, a lot of corruption. And Peter Corrigan knows about all of it. And he's got a very, very strong, solid platform on which to run to try to reshape Cuyahoga County for the benefit of all of the cities that make it up and all of the residents therein. So Peter Corrigan running for our Cuyahoga County Council uh, on the Republican side will join me at about 1035 to discuss. We're talking about the church this morning, and I'm going to tell you this point blank. I did not intend to do this today. I did not intend to do this really at all because I was, you know, like a lot of other people, uh, just very, very nervous about the state of our church as we continue to learn about the widespread abuse that has been going on in several dioceses in um, Pennsylvania uh, and the cover-up of that by Cardinal Whirl and others. Um, it's just very, very hard. We kind of thought that those horrific things about pedophilia within the priesthood were things of the past, generations ago, not, ne- not uh, currently an issue. And come to find out they still are. And come to find out that not only are they still an issue, they're being covered up by some of the most high-ranking leaders in the church, in the College of Cardinals, archbishops, and so forth. Uh, This is a major problem. I didn't want to touch it because I didn't know how to touch it. I didn't know what to say about it. Then I did Hugh Hewitt's show this morning. 
and his producer sent me two audio clips, both of them from Archbishop an Archbishop, a Cardinal, Cardinal Blaise Supich, Archbishop of one of the largest dioceses in the entire country and in the entire world, the Chicago Diocese. Cardinal slash Archbishop Blaise Supich said this about Pope Francis's level of concern when it comes to the systemic sexual abuse of children within the church. You know, Martha, you know, all of this um, has... Sorry, sort of been- sorry, wrong clip. Apologies. We hit the wrong button there. This is Cardinal Blaise Supich. The Pope has a bigger agenda. He's got to get on with other things of talking about the environment and uh, protecting uh, migrants. Did you did you catch that? The Pope has more important things to talk about. The Pope isn't concerned about the sexual abuse of the most vulnerable members of your congregation, your parish, his church, his flock. Pope has more important things to do. The Pope has a bigger agenda. He's got to get on with other things of talking about the environment and uh, protecting uh, migrants. I'm just going to let that sit there for a moment, let you uh, marinate in those words. Cardinal Blaise Supich went on to say, And carrying on the work of the church. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole on this. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole. The sexual abuse of children and the cover-up at the highest levels of the church is a rabbit hole that we're not going to go down. We're going to concern ourselves with migrant children, or migrants rather, and climate change and the environment. If you insist... However, in chasing this narrative, in chasing this story about the Pope and his culpability in the cover-up of this systemic abuse of children in the church, well, we know why that is. They also don't like him because he's a Latino. Those are the two sound bites that I got from Hugh Hewitt's producer, uh, sometimes known as Generalissimo, uh, earlier today. And when I heard those, I, I knew it was up. I had to address this. This is the Archbishop of Chicago. He is defending the Pope. He is defending the cover-ups, saying it's not important enough for him to deal with. He's got to deal with climate change and migrants. And, oh, by the way, if you continue to badger him over this, it's because you hate Latinos. He said that. They also don't like him because he's a Latino. Number one, it is insulting to suggest that race has anything to do with criticism of the Pope in this matter. And number two, that's not his race. I don't know why he's trying to play that card in the first place. That's not his race. Pope Francis was raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He is not Argentinian and thus a Latino. He is born of two Italian parents. Two Italians do not make up a Latino child. So the idea that the church would go to these lengths to try to stop the criticism of the Pope, when what all we are trying to do is clean out, find out, about the abuse, hold accountable those who did the abusing, hold accountable those who did the cover-ups, and ensure going forward that our church has undergone institutional purification and a purging of all of those horrific, evil sinners who would allow those things to go on and know that when we send our children to serve as altar boys and altar girls in Bible studies and whatnot, that we are not sending them into a den of hell where they're going to be abused where they're going to be raped, where they're going to be molested. At this point in time, nobody knows which are the offenders. I promise you, no one in in Pennsylvania, in all of those dioceses where this has been going on, 
thought that their parish priest was the one who was doing this, thought that their bishop could be the one doing this, thought that their bishop would be one that was covering it up. No one thought it would be that way. And we don't know. And the only way we will know going forward that our children are safe is to purge the church of all of these evil doers. And if that means cover-ups at the highest levels of the church, including in Vatican, the Vatican, and yes, including a change in the papacy itself, then so be it. And no, it is not because he's Latino. Chuck is calling us from Pepper Pike. Uh, thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Chuck, go right ahead. Thank you, Mr. France. I, I got to admit, I, got, I have two things now, because that last, those quotes kind of blew me away. And those are quite possibly the most damning things and powerful things that he could have said in exactly the wrong way. That is just, I, I'm simply blown away. So was I. The quotes you just put it, I, I mean, I don't even know what to do. I, full, full disclosure, I'm not a Catholic. Mm-hmm. My wife is, and she is very torn up about this. And my original reason for calling in was one of the uh, prior callers mentioned that you can donate to the maintenance fund. Yes. Which I, I understand, and I think a lot of people are torn because they don't want to abandon their church and their faith. But I think donating to the maintenance funds, and I, I also don't understand the ins and outs of that and how that works. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like saying, I'm willing to donate to Planned Parenthood, but only if it goes for STD testing. You're, what you're doing, in my eyes, is you're freeing up other money to go to things that you don't like and you may not support. So where I understand what he's saying and trying to support your local churches, I think, much like it seems you think, there needs to be a complete purge. There needs to be a reconciliation where they say, you know what? We did wrong. We failed. We failed you, our congregation, our people. And as you've also said, we're supposed to be the mouthpiece of God, of Jesus, and spread love and faith and hope. And they need to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable. They should want themselves to be held accountable. They should want these people outed because this is causing a black eye for them. There are many. Well, it's causing what it's causing is people to question their faith. It's causing people to question their faith. Do I even need a church if I don't know what their church stands for? Do I need to go on Sunday and listen to somebody that I don't know if I can trust? He is under the auspices of a bishop who runs his diocese that I don't know if I can trust. And, 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 and yes, so I would think you're right. They would, should want the purge to happen. They should want the removal of anyone and everyone who had anything to do with these kinds of things in the past so that there is trust from the parishioners going forward and until that happens that's going to be the case everything that you just said and and i i tend to agree with you about the um about the maintenance fund the only thing i could say in response to that though chuck that might be contrary is again uh, assuming that what the last caller said was accurate um, if there is a separate maintenance fund and it means that there is still going to be an empty basket when it comes to the general collection each and every mass, each and every week, and there is nothing being sent from my parish to the diocese, and then thus right. nothing being sent from the diocese to the Vatican. Uh, and, and, uh, and the right. Vatican is making phone calls and saying, where's the, where's the money? And the church and the diocese is saying, we didn't get any. So then the, the diocese is calling the church and saying, where's the money? And the church is saying, we didn't get any. All we have is a few bucks here for maintenance to keep the church uh, up and running for crying out loud. That is the only right. way that they're going to they're going to send the message that things better change. Um, and, and I agree. And however I that, that message is. has to get through, that's what has to be has to happen. 
I agree. Thank you for, for talking about this topic. I think it's extremely important, and it needs to be said. Well, it's one that I thank you for the call, and, uh, and please give my best to your wife. I know she and a lot of other Catholics are suffering, myself included. They're torn up about this. We don't want to abandon our church. We don't want to abandon the principles of the church in which we were raised. You know, whenever we make, you know, that... Um, uh, that uh, you know statement, um, and, and for, for God forgive me, I'm forgetting it because I'm so uh, focused on the other parts of this. But whenever we make our um, not active contrition for crying out loud, uh, and uh, the Apostles' Creed, whenever we whenever we say the creed and we pledge our support to one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that is seen to be on the same level as our support and our belief in uh, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, and, and on down the line. When we make that creed, or when we, when we recite that creed, rather, we are essentially saying the church is just as important on the grand scale to us as Jesus himself. Uh, I'm not in a position as a, as, a, as a layman, as just a sinning Catholic trying to do his best to judge what the wording of the creed is. But I promise you, there are going to be a whole lot of Catholics who are going to question that part of the creed. I think it's the Nicene Creed. Uh, when we see that part and we make that pledge about, of, of, of undying support for and belief in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we're going to pause unless we know that our holy Catholic apostolic church is actually doing good, is actually cleaning itself up, is actually ridding itself of sinners, is actually purging itself of the evil that has been allowed to invade it. And until the people get that message, that will be a part of the creed that I think will be left out for a lot of people. And yes, I am speaking for myself. Uh, traffic now, more of your calls coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-five. Wow, very nicely done, Samuel. Thank you. I get it. I get it. I just like Billy Joel, so I like this song anyway, and I was uh, it just dawned on me keeping the faith. Yeah, we are. We are. We are doing our very best to keep the faith. Uh, and I and I hope I hope I'm not suggesting otherwise, but uh, but this is where we are. And I and I struggled a few moments ago to remember the name of the Nicene Creed, uh, which was recited at church, and to remember it in its entirety too because I've been saying it for my entire life except for the fact that they changed it uh, a while back, at least some of the wording of it. But um, and I still read it <laughs> out of the book when I'm at mass because uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to flub any of the words. But the part that I do remember is the tail end of the Nicene Creed, when we say that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Catholics understand that very well. And I will tell you that, I, and again, speaking for myself, and, I, and I'm pretty confident that I'm not alone in this, I will continue to say that I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I will believe in and will continue to say that I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. I will, t I will remember all of those things uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit uh, came down from heaven by the Holy Spirit incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. I will de uh, deliver all of those words with conviction. But when it comes to the line about believing in one holy Catholic and ap apostolic church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church I believe in has a lot of work to do. It has a lot of work to do to make me continue to say that. And that means at every level of the church, including in the Vatican. Uh, Donnie and Euclid, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Yes, sir. I, I, I just want to say, say this really quick. 
especially to all my Catholic friends, especially uh, you. I love you guys, but but and and I'm and I'm not criticizing you because we uh, as Protestants we have our, we've had to deal with our own Reverend Ike, Father Divine, Jimmy Swaggers, and etc. But one of the things that I that I that I would just look at is one of the 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 uh, solutions that I've heard so far have been surface or what I would call horizontal solutions taking taking money away and all that I think that we need to get into more of a vertical solution going below the surface and figuring out what the deal is and dealing with it from the bottom up and I think that that that's one of the things that has to be done I remember a story that I heard a long time ago about a, a man who went to a church and he sat next to a guy that he wound up recognizing as the devil. And he said, what are you doing in here? You don't belong in here. And the devil chuckled and said, well, hey, some of my best work goes on in here. Wow. And like, and That's they, profound, Donnie. Donnie, I, I got to get some other folks on, but I appreciate that statement. That is profound, and it is obviously what we're talking about. We need institutional purification of our church. Navy man Norm on AM 1420, The Answer. Norm, go ahead. Revelations 3.16 because thou art neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I shall vomit you out of my mouth. And that is what I picture the good Lord today responding to a Bishop Blaise Supic. I am disgusted, I'm appalled. I just left church when I turned your station on. I just got through reciting the, my morning rosary. And when I heard that, I, I, my mouth, Bob, I'm not kidding you, my mouth was agape. I cannot believe, I cannot fathom, that a bishop would actually have the temerity and the gall, the unmitigated gall, to try to sweep this under the table and put something like the environment and illegal immigrants above the safety and welfare of the children's, not, not just their physical uh, persons, their welfare, but their spiritual souls. I mean, this, as far as I'm concerned... He should be excommunicated. I'm serious. This bishop should be excommunicated from the Catholic Church because it is not representative of bishops that I have known in the past uh, my 70 or 77 years as, an, as, a, as a human being. I, I'm appalled. I'm disgusted. I, I just cannot believe that there are people like this today in the Catholic Church. Well, let me just say this, and I, I agree with every word you just said. As for the excommunication part, that is left to people in uh, much better, higher positions than I. But if I were a member of the Chicago Diocese, remember, this is the Archbishop of the Chicago Diocese. If I were a member of the, that diocese, I would make it very clear to the priests, pastors at all of my, uh, or at my, you know, parish, and I hope everyone else at all of the parishes, would would tell them, just so you know, I will not be attending church in this diocese. I will not be attending Mass here until he is gone. Because that is absolutely unforgivable. It is indefensible. It is reprehensible. It is all of the above and more that I cannot say on the air for fear that I will say something that I'll regret. But in truth, I would, I, I, I would advise everyone in Chicago, and maybe I should have said this on the Hughes program when I did have the nation, uh, the ear of the nation, but if I was to advise people in Chicago of anything, it would be tell them we are not coming to Mass and not dropping nickel one into a collection basket until uh, Archbishop, the Archbishop of, uh, of Chicago, uh, Cardinal Blaise Supich, is gone. 
Uh, thank you so much for that call, Norm. I appreciate it. It's 1031. We're going to get news now. I am going to pivot away from this because I have a scheduled interview that I find to be very, very important for for residents of Cuyahoga County. And quite frankly, as Cuyahoga County goes, so goes Northeast Ohio. So it should matter to all of us. Peter Corrigan is a candidate in the Republican Party for the county executive position currently held by Armin Butish and what is a very, very troubled uh, county right now when it comes to leadership. And Peter Corrigan will join us next to discuss right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike Gallagher, coming up at 11 on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, we do indeed continue on now at AM 1420, The Answer. And as promised, I do want to pivot a little bit away from the uh, church story. Not that we're done with it, because um, we have one segment to go after the current segment. And I want to pivot to politics, because um, Cuyahoga County uh, is is obviously in a, in a bit of a state of flux. Um, they have a a sitting county executive who was elected Armin Butish, who defeated Jack Schron just a few short years ago, who... By almost all accounts, in the people that I speak with in uh, in the business community, in the law enforcement uh, law, law enforcement community, rather in uh, Cuyahoga County, is is almost a wall. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's heard him. Nobody knows what he's doing, other than running campaigns for other people to get more elected Democrats and more uh, Democratic and liberal causes funded in uh, Cuyahoga County. That's at least the perception that I have. Well, he's going to be fighting for his job, and he actually has a fight this time around because there is a well-respected and established businessman by the name of Peter Corrigan, perhaps you've heard of him, who is running for county executive for the Republican Party against Armin Butish, and he joins us now on AM4. 1420 the answer to discuss peter good morning sir how are you hi bob good i'm great great. it's good it's good to talk to you and uh and and i'm just so glad to know that you exist and and what i mean by that i'm sure you can tell from our conversation the other day is that there were a lot of people who weren't sure that the Cuyahoga county republican party was going to be able to find a candidate to run uh in in what is still a very democratic uh stronghold in terms of looking at the makeup of the county council uh some believe that there weren't that we weren't even going to have a a republican to challenge armin butish can you tell us how that came to be for you yeah, yeah i mean that's exactly what happened i i was kind of off living my own life but you know, i'm a college professor teaching classes. I retired from a multinational corporation. I ran with 2,800 employees all over the world. Um, and I was kind of pretty happy with what I was doing. And was approached by people who, who um, in the wake of all the county corruption things that started hitting the newspaper in, in February and March, um, they were looking for somebody who could take the uh, take the reins and run against run against the current uh, Armin Butish. It's, uh, you know, as an unopposed county executive with all these problems, that that just that couldn't stand. So I got into it for that reason, and then I started looking at other other um, management challenges in the county and just got to be more and more um, taken aback by all of the mishandling that I, that I see that's going on. So I'm, I'm very, uh, very engaged right now and very serious about taking this on and um, um, fixing things. Tell me um, why you agreed to this. You know, you uh, for those who don't know, uh, you you made a run at Congress. You ran against Dennis Kucinich, uh, did not beat him, obviously, a few years back. Uh, you've been engaged, obviously, in business. You've run a very successful multinational company. Um, why, why did you say yes to this when they came to you and, and, and were looking for someone? Uh, why didn't you say, hey, appreciate the uh, invitation, but find someone else? I almost did that. But, uh, I, you know, I'm a lifelong Clevelander. 
and um, I've, I've worked outside of the city and lived other places, but always came back home. And uh, you know, when I started, when I was born, we were the seventh or eighth largest city in the United States, and it's just deteriorated over decades and decades. And I can't stand to see the city. I just can't stand to see the city uh, on this steady long-term decline. So more than anything, it's, it's about standing up for for our city. It's about standing up for what's uh, what needs to happen and how to how to turn things around. So, so really, that more than anything got me into the race. And then when I started to uncover some of the um, some of the more, I guess, pressing issues there. Uh, child homicide rate, for example, uh, lately it's on the property tax. The, uh, um, of course, the corruption issues. I, I just got right. more and more engaged. So, yeah, I'm, it, it turned me around, and I'm very serious, very seriously campaigning, uh, almost, almost uh, nonstop. Let's let's talk about um, some of some of those issues. Uh, we're talking to Peter Corgan, a Republican candidate for county executive who has a real opportunity here. I think this is a golden opportunity for for Cuyahoga County residents to really kind of reshape county government uh, and county business uh, and, and and quite frankly, to clean it up. Uh, there, there really is a golden opportunity that a lot of people don't realize exists here. So let's talk about some of those things. You mentioned the home valuations, the excessive home valuations. Now, I know, again, as we spoke, there's an event coming up tonight in Westlake at the Westlake Recreation Center. Just for those who need to know this, and hopefully it's everybody, seven Seven o'clock to eight thirty tonight at the Westlake Recreation Center. The West Shore Republicans are hosting an event called "Fighting Back: Contesting Excessive Home Valuations." And I know you're tied into that. Tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a speaker for state tonight, but there's, there's an issue with you should be valuations <laughs> in, in more than a half a dozen um, communities, probably a dozen communities where it was really hit hard. The valuations increase dramatically, and which will result in higher property taxes for people, and for fixed income people especially, it's it's, it's the cruelest tax that can be out there. So just just I, I guess cavalierly increasing um, property values to the high end of the range, you know, it doesn't serve people that are trying to trying to make it month to month. Uh, it doesn't serve them well. There there are lots of. Um, you know, the county had assessors, and, and at one point they, they terminated some of those. They, they streamlined, and in this last go-around, they hired con- contractors to do the work. And the contractors worked on a, on a range of valuations, and it looks like in many cases they took the high end of the range. It's just not tenable. Yeah, you know, when we talk about that, and again... Um you have more details here, and I know we don't have a ton of time to get into all of the specifics, but, but let's talk again about those assessors. They had a choice here, which one is to just hire more assessors to work for the county and ask them to do their jobs thoroughly and diligently. You still there, Peter? Yes, I am. Okay, I heard, I heard a click. I thought I lost you. To ask them to do the job and be on the job uh, diligently uh, or to hire these outside assessors the way they did at, at, a, at a premium expense to the county. Why did they choose that? And tie that, if you can, Peter, into other examples of county government going above and beyond and out of their way to waste taxpayer dollars doing things that, uh, you know, including studying issues, which we've talked about before, uh, as opposed to finding solutions. But but they just seem hell-bent on spending money that they do not have to have to spend. And at the end of the day, it's actually money that is harming spending, uh, you know, harming taxpayers by jacking up their their property taxes, maybe not to the exact percent of the increase of their valuations, but enough that it's going to harm them. 
Yeah, so let me talk about that and then the bigger picture. The first is just, yeah. I think they were trying to do the right thing, which was trying to cut cut costs. I, I think they went too far the wrong way, and, and they brought people in that um, couldn't serve the, the task well enough. Either that or they or they gave instructions to to, to assess or value at the, at the high end, which resulted And neither in one of those is acceptable. That's the part about this exactly. that I want people to understand. No matter how, if they, if they told them, these outside assessors, go with the highest end, uh, the highest value on the high end, uh, and, and put that down as the valuation, and we'll deal with complaints about it later, or if they just didn't train them at all and give them the ability to do thorough actual due diligence here and make sure that the valuations were accurate. Right, and, and this, is, this is just one example, like you were saying. We have the highest uh, sales tax in the entire state by, by a lot. We're at 8% in this county. Um, the surrounding counties are at six and three quarters. And, uh, you know, just to have so much additional sales tax, we have um, some of the highest property taxes in the state. We're the highest tax county in the state by a lot. So every $30 million or so, that we're spending over and above what we should is a, is a quarter of a percent on sales tax. So if you look at it that way, there's there's there are a lot of um, there, a lot of opportunities to try to streamline things. Um, I, I'd, I'd really like to look at this and see if we can flatten the organization so we don't have so many different levels. I'd like to get get rid of redundancy. There are different agencies, for example, all looking at, at children, children services. There, there are five, six, seven agencies that all have some component of that. I'd really like to um, consolidate that under under one single direction and, and at the same time take out layers of management that are very expensive. Yeah, and that's that's your that's your area of expertise. You've been an executive for what over thirty five years with management background and experience in engineering, operations, sales, mergers, acquisitions. You're perfectly positioned to come in and analyze all these things and cut out the waste. How how you know aside from now just the county the uh, uh, home valuations, how deep and excessive is the waste in Cuyahoga County management uh, in terms of uh, you know all of all of the redundancy uh, you know that they are guilty of in terms of uh, of expenditures on things that have already been done. That's what you are an expert at identifying, and I think that's what's going to be one of your strongest appeals to Cuyahoga County voters. Yeah, yeah, I've worked on on four or five different turnarounds in my career. Some of them have been very major. Um, I had to I had to do a turnaround in South America when there's virtually no cash to save uh, save a business down there. Worked on a major turnaround in a company in the United States. It, it's really just a function of taking taking charge of of the checkbook, the purchasing process, seeing what's being what um, what kind of contracts are being let out, who's doing the purchasing, who's doing the paying, and a lot of strange things happen when you start watching how people how um, different vendors and contractors are getting paid. And the urgency in some payments versus the, the non-urgency in others. You start looking at things and questioning, why are we actually doing these? And as you get into it more and more, you start you start saying, maybe we really shouldn't be doing this. Uh, if, if you take the eight percent and you and you try to just try to nominalize it, I don't know how much we um, I don't know how much this is really true. But if, if we wanted to take it from eight percent to seven seven and a half, that's that roughly represents about 60, 60 to $70 million, million dollars of excess expenditures. So I, I don't know if that much of an opportunity is there if I become a county executive. But, but hey, if uh, the voters elect me, give me the keys, I'll go after this and, um, and, and try to streamline. There are some agencies that need investment. Child and family services, I think, need more money put into them. But there's a lot of other agencies that you know, we need to roll into you know, one direction. 
Pete, Peter Corgan is our guest. He is a Republican candidate for county executive uh, against Armin Butish, who is uh, uh, the current occupant of that office. Um, tell me about Armin Butish from your observation. Tell me why uh, the people of Cuyahoga County should uh, should turn to you and away from him. You know, we talked about your qualifications, but I, I described him as being AWOL. Uh, it seem, seems on so many very important county issues. Was I accurate about that? And also, you mentioned the word corruption uh, within the county uh, a few moments ago. Can you tell me your thoughts on that? Uh, sure. The the, um, the corruption is really being well documented by the plain dealer. They're doing a, a very good job of pulling things out. The FBI has raided county administration headquarters. Um, they've taken computers and cell phones. They, I, I believe they've raided the chief of staff's office. There's something going on with the FBI looking into the, um, the underbelly of what's going on in county administration. And then in parallel, the county prosecutor uh, is trying to, trying to get information from, from um, Executive Budish. And, and they've issued 14 subpoenas. There's been a pushback on not wanting to give information up. I think that that's these are all things that somebody else is going to uncover, not, not really me, but I look at it and I scratch my head saying, why is all this happening? The difference between um, Budiship and myself, you, you know, he's a lawyer. I, I'm not a lawyer. I, uh, I don't have the legal expertise, but I have executive expertise, a lot of executive expertise. This is an executive position, and ironically, if you look at it, I ran for Congress a long time ago. I'm much better suited for the executive position than I would have been for the legislative position, frankly. Um, he's a lawyer trying to be an executive. I'm an executive trying to be an executive. I think there's a huge difference in that, Bob. I like that, and I think that's accurate, too, as I kind of just, I mean, I scratched the very, very thinnest layer of the surface of your qualifications and your years of experience, but you're right. You have been an executive, and you understand uh, what it takes from a fiscal standpoint and also a management and organizational standpoint, in my view, to turn around uh, Cuyahoga County. What is your view of the council itself right now, whether it be by its makeup or by its actions or its inactions on matters that should be of importance to the uh, 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 constituents of Cuyahoga County? I, I see the council, um, this is maybe different from a, you know, the, the partisan view at it. There's 11 members of the council, eight are Democrats, uh, three are Republicans. I see the council a- acting in unison on many, many issues. That they're almost um, nonpartisan in some of their decision-making. And I'd like, I'd like the prospect of being able to work across the lines. It's, it's, it's so much less of an ideological position. Getting people on the council... They care about the region, they care about the city. That, that's very important to me. From what I can tell, almost everybody I've met or talked to or, or I've done my homework on, I think, I think frankly, you have a, a fairly good council. There's some inactivity, there's some criticisms that can be leveled at, I'm sure. But being able to just, um, just work with them about serious, compelling issues for Cuyahoga County, I, I want to do that. I think it's going to be okay if, I, if I'm in that role. Peter Corgan is my guest. He is uh, running for Cuyahoga County Executive. And, um, Peter, how's the campaign? Uh, I, 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 I dare say that not a ton of people in Cuyahoga County know that you're running. Uh, you haven't had a ton of press or publicity. Uh, and, and I haven't seen any ads. Um, how is the campaign? I know you and I spoke again off the air and you've been uh, pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, trying to, you know, approach people and speak to them face to face, which is amazing. And that's awesome. But obviously you need money to get your name and, 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 and the word out there. So how is the campaign going? And if somebody wants to help you who's listening right now, how do they do that? Well, I'm at corganforexecutive.com. 
there's a there's a PayPal button on there. That's a great way to to help support me in this. Um, I started as a write-in, so I was a write-in in the in the May ballot. I needed 50 signatures to appear formally on on the November ballot. Mm-hmm. I got those. I got almost 5,000 signatures. So I had a very good reception. It was a kind of an uh, under the radar kind of a, a, a primary, but worked out very well. Every place I go, I get engagement, and every place I go, people want to talk to me about what's going on with county issues. I'm spending a lot of time just, I'm spending every day just going to as many places as I can. I spend a lot of time in Cleveland. I spend a lot of time in East Cleveland. Uh, I'm all over the county wherever I I can. I'm getting really wonderful reception. There's a lot of very good-hearted people in the city of Cleveland, and um, listen, uh, city of Cleveland, if you're listening, I'm your guy. I'm all about the city, and I always have been. I'm staring at uh, CorriganForExecutive.com now, and I do see the donate button for PayPal and more. But what about, uh, vol- oh, there is a volunteer button as well, because uh, I know you need people. I know you need staff. You need as many people as possible in the next two months to really get your message out there and uh, and to reach out in addition to funds and donations. You need volunteers and staffers, so I do see that there as well. CorriganForExecutive.com. Uh, it's a really golden opportunity. It really is. I feel like the uh, the time might be right for this for this shift. Uh, maybe a lot of people didn't feel a Republican could win uh, the county executive. Are you deterred at all, or or dissuaded, or discouraged by the fact that Jack Schron ran and uh, and lost that race last time around? Uh, no, it was a different race. Jack Jack supported me, and and uh, so is Matt Dolan. They're they're great guys. It was a different race. Sure, um, we didn't have a performance record with. Executive Budish at that point, so I think people just looked at it and said, "All right, this is going to be okay." But we have four years now of watching how he operates things, and I think there's a lot of people on on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, that are that are very um, um, not happy with how how things have rolled out. And I think now people are kind of throwing the party moniker away and looking at looking at what uh, what we really need for the city. So I, I'm not in, I'm not discouraged at all. We have very good polling. It looks like uh, we're closing gaps on um, on executive Buddhist. So I, I'm I'm very encouraged about being able to. Um run an upset in this, in this race. Well, I am too, and I want people to be aware of this. And uh, again, go to CorriganForExecutive.com to donate or to volunteer. Uh, contact uh, you know the uh, the uh, uh, RPCC, Republican Party in Cuyahoga County. Tell them to support. Uh, you got representatives and, and people that you know in uh, committee and the uh, Ohio Republican Party. Tell them to get behind Peter Corrigan because this could be a golden opportunity to really turn the county around. And as it pertains specifically to your home valuations, I want to remind people again that the west shore republicans are meeting tonight at westlake recreation center which is on hilliard boulevard in westlake at seven o'clock to learn how to fight back and contest those executive home valuations something that peter corrigan says he will absolutely do something about the moment he gets into the office of county executive peter thank you for coming on today and thank you for running and thank you for doing everything you can to try to turn this county around and i hope we stay in touch over the course of the next two months yeah, you bet, Bob. I just want to tell your listeners it's a real privilege to be on your show. For your listeners, most all of them know it. Bob France is making a national splash, and we should all be proud of him. He's uh, he's uh, making his mark um, across the country, not just in Cleveland. So, Bob, you're doing a great job, and I'm very, very proud of you. You are very kind to say that, Peter. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. Peter Corrigan, candidate for Cuyahoga County Executive. Boy, we're late. It's 1054. Let's get out and come back in again and wrap this bad boy up here on AM 1420, The Answer.
Yes, the last segment of the broadcast this morning is a very, very short one. We've only got about a minute to spend with you here, and I just want to remind you once again of what it is that we are uh, discussing today, and I want you to take this with you into discussions and conversations with fellow Catholics, if you are indeed a Catholic. This is the Archbishop of the uh, Chicago Diocese, Cardinal Blaise Supich, telling us why the Pope isn't interested in child sex abuse victims. Can't hear it. Apologies for that. Hold on. I'm going to play this. I want you to hear it. This is Cardinal or yeah, Cardinal Blaise Supich one more time here. Let's uh, see if we can make this happen. The Pope has a bigger agenda. He's got to get on with other things of talking about the environment and uh, protecting uh, migrants. Yep. Uh, let your pastor, let your priest, let your bishop know exactly how you feel about that. We must cleanse our church. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much also to Peter Corgan for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the next Bob France Authority. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.